0: What's up, Sooner fans? This is former OU safety, Bradney Poole. This is Wes Soon. This is Paul Thompson. This is Rufus Alexander. This is J.D. Reynolds. Hi, this is Teddy Lavery. Hey, this is former Sooner All-American, Gabe Eichert, and you're listening to Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey there, Sinners Nation, and welcome to a Victory Monday edition of the Lockdown Sinners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Go to builtbar.com. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams and joining me today as he does every day is former Oklahoma Sooners, offensive lineman, David Walker. You can follow David on Twitter at D underscore walk 74. You can also hear him on the iron horse podcast. David, we got another big W to talk about.
0: Yeah, we do. It's a big W even though for some of you on Saturday night, it felt like a little W it was still (laughs) a big W because winning is always better than losing. And that's kind of, you know, my initial thought about this game on Saturday night, and I've had a little bit of time to process it, I can acknowledge for all of you out there, I didn't have a lot of fun watching that first half. Didn't have a lot of fun watching all of it, to be honest. There were times where, I, just like you, I was kind of pulling my hair out, thinking, what are we doing on first down? What are, why are we keep getting behind the chains? What is going on? But this was a big win because there's been a ton of things going on, off the field, distractions, COVID cases, guys out, coaching changes, coaches with COVID, Bob Stoops showing up at practice. There's been so much that's gone on the last week and a half with the West Virginia cancellation or the postponement, all those things that winning this football game was a huge positive, no matter how you felt about it going down, right? That's like your mom telling you, Hey, I need you to take this medicine. It's going to be good for you. Tastes really bad going down, but Hey, you know what? If it, If it uh, produced what it needed to produce, it was a success. And that win, while it might not have been the most beautiful box score you've ever seen, I think it was a a really positive night in Norman.
1: It's really surprising to, I don't know, as an NFL analyst and observer, you don't worry so much about style points. You just worry about W's. It's not about a matter of how, it's a matter of how many. And Oklahoma, they got the win. You know, yes, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. The first half was not what we've seen from Oklahoma in the last five, ten years of Oklahoma football, but ultimately it comes down to they got the W. I think you made an excellent point there. With everything that's transpired and all the different things that they've overcome in the last week and a half, they really had to come out of this thing just to get a, just to get a win. I mean, it, it was a win just to show up and play the game. Because we saw with the Baltimore Ravens, everything that's transpired with them in the NFL, they've had games pushed back and postponed. And, you know, the schedule's just been put up and and there's been so much upheaval to their schedule for Oklahoma just to even get on the field on Saturday night. Had to feel like a win in and of itself. And then to double down on that, to be able to come out with a win, again, huge. I mean, it wasn't always pretty, but they did enough against the Baylor team that was outmatched, although, you know, the defense (laughs) – for Baylor looked absolutely phenomenal in the early part of that game. It was a team that was outmatched and Oklahoma did what they had to do to win. And they won by double digits.
0: Yeah. And again, John, this goes back to, and we've talked about this previously and we're going to talk about it tomorrow with Ari Timken of big 12 Radio on Sirius XM as well. I want to get his perspective on it as it relates to Iowa state, but when it relates to Baylor, Baylor played Oklahoma really tough twice last year. Baylor felt like in both of those games, they should have won. And yes, Matt Rule left for Carolina. And yes, Dave Aranda came in. But the bulk of that defense, they felt like, hey, you know what? We can play these guys. We can get after these guys. And they had confidence coming into Norman. And let me make you guys feel a little bit better about this outcome against the Baylor Bears. Because if you're just looking at their record and you're saying, oh, they're two and six, they're not any good. We struggle with them all night. Well, let's look at their season schedule here. They won 47-14 against Kansas. That was their, I mean, that's Kansas, so let's just chalk that out, throw that out. They go to West Virginia, lose 27-21 in double overtime. They lose to Texas 27-16 to 16 in Austin. They lose 33-23 to TCU, lost by 10. Lost by seven at Iowa State. You know who else lost by seven at Iowa State? That's right, your boys, the Sooners. Then they go to Texas Tech and they lose 24-23. to 23. Then they beat Kansas State by one point. You know who lost Kansas State? Your Sooners. So then they come to Norman and they hung in there. So you really shouldn't be surprised. They've been competitive all year long, guys. And when you look at the box score and you look at the stat line, Oklahoma has the most decisive win over Baylor this season. So that 13-point margin that you're not feeling too hot about, that's the best anybody's done against Baylor this year. So while they're 2-6, and six, they're not as bad as they might otherwise seem. And I know, oh, by the way, Dave Aranda, he also had a lot of time to watch Oklahoma last year getting ready for the Peach Bowl. So he had a little bit of a cheat sheet on hand. He studied Lincoln Riley backwards and forwards, sideways, all, all 360. So this was not just a, well, you know, it's just Baylor and I don't know why we we're ready to play. They're well coached. They got personnel that is better than they appear and they have recent success or recent confidence against Oklahoma. When you factor those things in and you mix in all the things Oklahoma's been dealing with for the last 10, 15 days, that's kind of what you get on a Saturday night.
1: And they mentioned it on the broadcast, but it seemed like there were several times where Baylor was just, just prepared for what Oklahoma was trying to throw at him, especially that guard tackle counter that Lincoln Riley loves to run. Every time they ran that, it it didn't really go for anything. Baylor was right there, they stuffed it, they <clears> they, they flowed with the guards and the tackles, and they were able to beat their beat their guys to the to the punch and get to the the, the running back and bring him down. Dave Aranda had an excellent game plan, him in the defensive quarter. They had an excellent game plan in the first half of that game to limit Oklahoma's explosiveness, really. And there was even that, that shallow drag that they like to run, almost like as a screen, and that got blown up. I mean, it knocked Marvin Mims out of the game for, for a while. They, everything that Lincoln Riley likes to do, the things that are like, you look at them in their quintessential Lincoln Riley plays, They Baylor had an answer for. They were ready for him. And and some of that you know that comes down to familiarity, and you discussed it. Dave Miranda had a, has a lot of familiarity with Lincoln Riley, having a month to prepare for him last year, and then again had a little bit more time to prepare for him this year. And that's a Baylor defense that's on the rise. And I think you know Matt Rule kind of set the stage for a culture shift at Baylor. And even though the offense hasn't been very good this year for Baylor, that defense has been pretty good. If they've got even adequate or above average offense out of Charlie Brewer, and the rest of that very young offensive group, their record's a lot better than the 2-6 and that we see him at.
0: No doubt about it. And Charlie Brewer is a capable quarterback, and yet even a capable quarterback like Charlie Brewer could get very little accomplished against Oklahoma. Matter of fact, the most impactful thing Charlie Brewer did, in my opinion, the whole game was hit Trey Norwood out of bounds into the equipment stand and not get a personal foul. Like That, to me, was the most impressive thing Charlie Brewer did all night. And, yes, he made a couple plays here and there, and he got him a running touchdown, you know, in garbage time. And he got a questionable offensive uh, touchdown that might have been a push-off on his receiver. But they held a a good, solid senior quarterback in check. But on the defensive side of the football, yes, Baylor had a good game plan. It was kind of the, the perfect storm to me of guys playing with an edge, guys coming out, you know, with nothing to lose, playing with house money, playing with some confidence and some swagger based on previous matchups and having a coach that's, like we said, schemed Oklahoma up recently in the Peach Bowl. And, yeah, I think that you know, the, the most encouraging thing to me, though, John, is that that game that we just saw Saturday night was a loss any time in the last 10 years at Oklahoma. Yeah. That was a yeah. loss. Absolutely. Period. I mean, the offense could never struggle like that without being down three scores mm-hmm. and without, without having to come back some furious rally. And you can go all the way back to the Landry Jones days or the Sam Bradford days. Like, if Oklahoma struggled that badly offensively, they that was one of those I saw somebody on Twitter call it one of those twilight zone games Oklahoma has once a year. But We typically when we get into those kind of games, it's like man, this doesn't feel right. That game usually is the game we lose that we're not supposed to. So the fact that they won going away in a game where the offense was that that pitiful at times, that's a huge uh, a huge development that can't be understated. That the defense carried this football team to an Like, I don't want to say an impressive win, but it was an emphatic win, even though it ended up being 27 to 14. It was an emphatic win because the defense made it so.
1: Yeah, and it was just 27 to 7 going into the final five minutes of the game where Oklahoma just kind of went into prevent mode and like, all right, we're just going to let you kind of dink and dunk it down the field. And and Baylor was more than willing to just do that. And, yeah, you know, they got 14 points on the board, but it never really looked like a 13-point margin. I feel like the, the game was much more out of reach than that. And we'll continue talking about the Oklahoma defense coming up in the next segment. We're going to spend some time digging into some of the issues that we saw on, on Saturday night as well. And later on in the show, we'll give you our three stars of the game. And I, I can't believe I lost the hype movie of the week again. I can't believe it. I had that one. That was the – I was winning that one, you know, until the final minutes of the game. That was – Ah, I'm going to get it one day, David. I'm going to get it, David. I'm going to get it.
0: John, I thought you had it. I looked at the poll and, you know, I, I must have, Gladiator must have gone on a, a two-minute drive, you know, to win the game. I think I had to conversion some fourth downs. I, I won it by a 52% to 48% margin, probably just a handful of votes. But, yes, a worthy adversary there in Avengers Endgame from Friday's pregame hype movie. So shout out to you for, for bringing it push me to my limits. You, you increase my strength of schedule with that (laughs) performance. So I I think that the ranking committee is going to be very impressed with, uh, with Maximus, Decimus, Meridius, and the boys of Gladiators. So we're going to talk more about this Baylor matchup because there's some things, John, that I did have some major questions about and some things I really didn't like. And I want to get to those in, in the next segment. But first, let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? Well, College Football Saturdays offer the perfect opportunity to watch football and chill with the only beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Even though there are fewer teams playing on Saturdays, there are still plenty of games and other sports going on to give you the opportunity to relax and have a beer. So whether you're having a beer with friends, cooking some meat on the grill, winding down from working in the yard, or watching a full slate of college football games on Saturday, Make sure you reach for the official beer of watching any sport or team just to have a beer. So when you want to reset from a long workday or to enjoy while taking in your favorite team, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Now get Coors Light and its new look, delivered straight to your door by going to get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team
1: every day. And now, in this segment of the Locked On Sooners podcast, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the Sooners defense. But make sure you come back for Tuesday's episode. We have Ari Temkin from SiriusXM Radio, who covers the Big 12 there. Make sure you come back. He's going to give us his thoughts on the Oklahoma Sooners, what's coming up in the Big 12 title game, and if the Oklahoma Sooners have an opportunity to work their way back into the national championship picture. But here we're going to talk about the defense. David, what did you see from the defense that stood out to you that they can kind of hang their hats on moving forward?
0: I think just the fact that they were able to create turnovers, I mean, that's a huge one, right? I mean, getting a couple of interceptions in a game felt like this time, you know, back in the the Iowa State game, going into Iowa State, we were having conversations like, is Oklahoma allergic to the turnover? Have they gone into pregame settings and turned turnovers off? Like, are they not <laughs> capable? Are they just going to try to win games without them and see if they yeah. can, you know, increase their their curve? Um, but they're forcing turnovers. That's one. They get a couple of interceptions. But I think it's just the the mentality of, okay, a three and out from the offense, a negative series by the offense, a promising opening drive that we get down the goal line and we kick a field goal and everybody's kind of like, oh, that's not very fun. And then we're not really excited about it. 3 nothing lead on a 20-yard field goal. But the defense never flinched. Like, literally that entire first half, they never flinched. They forced two 47-yard field goals that fell short, which you can call that a stroke of uh, luck or you can call that just good fortune. I don't know, but I think Oklahoma was due for a kicker to, to miss a couple against them. I feel like going back to K-State, guy makes the kick of his life to, to win that game. And so they were due for a kicker to, to bust a few. But just the fact they're forcing 47-yard field goals, They are creating field position for the offense that even when they, you know, Trey Norwood has that big interception, has a great return, gets out to midfield. Oklahoma doesn't doesn't do anything with that offensively, Mm -hmm. shockingly. Gave them half a field and they couldn't do anything with it. But they flipped the field, forced them down in there, and that ultimately led to the the touchdown right before the half that Ramondre Stevenson got. So I liked their resilience. I liked their grit. I liked the fact that they were – up to the challenge of carrying this football team in prime time, because I think that did them more favors nationally than I think most Sooner fans would realize that the defense being on display in prime time on Saturday night, and that being the talk of this program is so rare and so unique and so refreshing that it's not necessarily the negative that you might perceive the score to be.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's, it's a team that, Given all the things that they were dealing with leading into the game, and all the players that were actually missing for this game, and Nick Bonito, uh, Woody Washington was out this game. They were having to mix and match with with players that hadn't really gotten a lot of playing time and weren't expected to start at any point in the season. And those players stepped up and played really, really good football. I mean, you you think of a guy like DJ DJ Graham who ended up with a big interception, but I feel like his coverage most of the night was really, really good as well. They, you know, Charlie Brewer made some big plays, but that he didn't really have a lot, of, a lot of areas to throw the ball down the field. Never really had a ton of wide open receivers down the field to throw to. Baylor was making a lot of their, a lot of their hay, having a lot of success on some of the shorter to intermediate area, you know, parts of the field. And, and so I, I was very impressed just with the defense's ability to just insert guys that hadn't had a lot of playing time leading into the game and get really productive performances out of them. You know, the guy is John Michael Terry. I feel like he was just all around the football all night long. Uh, you know, we we you know Corey, Corey Roberson. I mean, just these guys yeah. that just played really good football all night long. Marcus Stripling, this people who were putting a ton of pressure on Charlie Brewer all night, and it wasn't just the normal guys. I mean, yes, Ronnie Perkins was you know making you know wreaking havoc. Isaiah Thomas had two and a half sacks, an excellent football game from him. But you had a lot of these guys that were you know second on the depth chart, third on the yeah. depth, depth chart, showing up and and the performing yeah
0: and yeah, decided to pass down you had Robert Barnes you had a Robert Barnes siding in the secondary and it was okay you know right. what I mean that was a guy that was very much maligned so yeah I, I thought the same thing i I like the depth I like the the fact that all the talk about who is going to be missing and how you know it might have to the offense might have to step up because the defense who'd been playing so well how unfortunate it was that you don't have Benito and Woody washington and and even to some extent, you know, a Buki who is at least, you know, has the experience and has mm-hmm. has played well at times. That you don't have these guys, and you were kind of focused on that. But yet, this this by committee defense that you know this defense is so maligned over the years. It doesn't have the depth. They don't have enough guys. All of a sudden, they show, like, hey, we got enough guys. We got so many guys that there's going to be a guy named Graham get an interception. Everybody's going to be like, wait, who's that again? You know, or or you're having guys blocking passes. And you're like. Well, I, have I seen him this year? You know, and that's that's great. That's what you want. Like you want that kind of depth. You want the the guys, you know, the others that you don't know about. You want those guys to come in and not miss a beat. And you want those guys to come in and excite you. And that's kind of what happened on Saturday night. But for all the positives, there's there a couple things that I didn't really care for. Um, and one of them was at the end of the half, as well as our defense had played the entire half. We scored the touchdown. It's up ten nothing and Baylor comes up and throws an incomplete pass on first down. Oklahoma has three timeouts. There's like 52 seconds left, and they don't call a timeout. They don't force a punt. They don't try to get the ball. They could have got the ball maybe around at their own 40 possibly with 30 seconds or so left and and one timeout with a chance to try to get in field goal range for Gabe, who had a beautiful 50-yard field goal. looked like it could have been good from 65 later in the game. But I just didn't really like the fact that – Okay, we're up ten 0 We got these three timeouts. We got they—they they gave us a gift on first down through an incompletion. I don't really understand why we wouldn't have tried to take advantage of that. Why we wouldn't have given Spencer an opportunity to you know get a few plays and try to get in that no huddle, see if we can't get in field goal range for the experience of it. Didn't really care for that. And then late in the game, after Charlie Brewer gets the ninety-seven yard drive on the touchdown, which we kind of gave him the we were giving them what we were giving him in that prevent mode. They score that touchdown, and then Dave Aranda starts calling timeouts, right? I didn't like that we just kind of conceded to say, well, we're going to actually give you the football back and let you just get some reps in on offense to end this yeah. game on national television when we have recruits present. I would have liked, and this is, again, this is going to be me being critical because I think I, I can come out here and try to be, you know, poly positive and in in talk about why beating Baylor by 13 isn't as bad as you think, and I, and I believe that. But I can also be give you the other side of the coin and say, one of the things that has been a criticism of, of Coach Riley is that, is there a killer instinct here? Is there a, I want to make you, we're going to beat you and make you like it instinct. And to end that game, it just kind of felt like for as dominant as that game was, for as, as much as we made Baylor's offense miserable, we let them go on a 97-yard drive. And then when they start calling timeouts, when we're just trying to do them them the favor, do them the honors of, hey, we're just going to run this clock out for you, get you out of here. They're calling all their timeouts and forcing you to punt. And then they're throwing the football down the field. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of let them finish that out. And on national television, you just showed that we're going to let them dictate how this game ends. And that, to me, John, and I might sound like a jerk here, but I don't care. Because you're Oklahoma, and you dictate how the game ends. They're in your house. You're the five-time defending champion, and they're Baylor. And I don't care if they have a new coach. I don't care if they're trying to get better. They're Baylor, and you're not. You're Oklahoma, and they're not. And when they start, the first time they call a timeout, I'm saying, screw it. We're throwing in the end zone. We're throwing the football. We're going to go score right here. If we can score, we're scoring. Because, or we're going to punt it to them on our own terms. We're not just going to run the ball and let them call timeouts. I didn't like that. Because to me, what that does is the same exact thing I talked about earlier. You let Baylor play with you twice last year. And now you let them play with you again this year. And now Dave Rand is going to get a little more confidence, going to get better guys in. and You're going to go down to play him in Waco next year. And you let them finish that game with a good taste in their mouth. And, yeah, you might go on to win the Big 12 title. But that group's going to say, hey, you know what? Last year, remember when we played them in Norman and we went 97 yards? Remember when we forced on to punt and we kind of like ran the ball? And you can say, oh, that's not that big of a deal, David. Why are you making such a big deal about it? Because you don't open the door for people to have any confidence. You give them no hope because that's what happens with Iowa State. That's why Iowa State went from a two-point conversion failed attempt to beat Oklahoma last year to beating them in Ames, and they're in the Big 12 championship because you crack the door open and they walk through it. You just don't do that when you have somebody down. You don't let them get hope, even if it's false hope, even if it's garbage time. You have enough pride. You have enough attitude about you to say, no, that's not how it's going to go here. We dictate to you and not the other way around. So that's a rant. Maybe that's me being too critical, but I don't like the games to end that way.
1: When I look at that, I just think it's Lincoln Riley realizing that they're fortunate to be getting out of that game with a win. You know, I think especially, you know, going up 10 nothing at the half and, you know, yeah, he could have tried to get the ball back. But the way that the offense was playing, I wouldn't have liked Spencer Rattler trying to throw the ball in the two-minute drill. 'Cause so I didn't feel like they had any cohesion going on uh, on the offensive line. I felt like they were allowing too much pressure. I thought Spencer Rattler was way was looking for the big play way too much, as opposed to just taking what what was available. He was running himself into pressure often. And so I, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm looking at that that first time I'm like, hey, we're up ten nothing at this point. Bet I'll take it. I mean, it's like it's like uh, you know you're you're the Dodgers. You're a Dodger fan. You know the offense isn't doing anything right, and uh, you got Clay, you got Clayton Kershaw on the mound. You, you have an opportunity to, you know, sacrifice one to get to get up one-nothing. You know, yeah, you might have a couple more runners on base. You might be – but nothing else is really working. You, you find yourself with two runners on base. You just try to get one in. You don't really care how you get – you know, if you get the other one in. You want you want to get one in because you got Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And I feel like that's kind of what it was like on, on Saturday night is the defense was playing so well that Lincoln Riley is just like, all right, we're up 10. We're going to just take it. Counter blessings, go into halftime, see if we can make some adjustments and come out in the second half.
0: So my, this might be my favorite analogy that you've ever given on this podcast. It might, it might be, Sooner fans, this could be the most exciting illustration that John of the Williams tribe has ever brought to this podcast because what he did, he just gave you so much hope. He just compared the Oklahoma defense to arguably the greatest pitcher of this generation in Clayton Kershaw. So that, to me, John... Now I'm fired up. Now I'm you you just spun it around. I'm happy again. Now I'm excited. Because <laughs> we basically got a Hall of Fame defense all of a sudden. And I and I don't think you're wrong because your illustration holds up that the defense was playing so well that I, I can see that being a thought. I certainly can. Um and I, I totally get the analogy of in baseball you got your ace on the mound, you just want to get him a couple of runs and let's let's let it be. Let's not mess him up. Let's get him back in the dugout and get him back out there on the mound. So I totally understand that thought. But yeah, I, I just think that The way this defense is playing, at the end of the day, again, those are negatives. That's me being picky. That's me being um, a little bit anal when it comes to how I feel about where Oklahoma should, you know, impose their will on people. But I think at the end of the day, the excitement that I felt in in the positives of this defense showing themselves to be a different Oklahoma defense on the national scene for the what fourth, fifth, sixth week in a row, essentially, and they continue to just get better. It doesn't matter who the personnel is. That, to me, is so exciting that it really just absolves any of the negatives. It kind of washes those away when you look at the idea of winning a Big 12 title and ultimately what this program is capable of in 2021.
1: And we're going to have so much more to unpack from this game this week because it was a huge win, even if it wasn't – against a quality opponent coming out of the COVID protocols and things like that, just getting the win was huge. So we'll have more to unpack. Again, we got Artie Tempkin coming up on Tuesday. we got other big guests coming up this week here on the Lockdown Sooners podcast, so make sure you stick around for that. But before we get into the next segment, I want to talk to you a little bit about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat and is 100% covered in chocolate. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 18 great flavors, including new options like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Garcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. Our personal favorite is the Peanut Butter Brownie. And now you can actually get something called Built Minis. It's a smaller version, about a third of the size of Built Bar that has still has five grams of protein. The normal size bar has up to 18 grams of protein and only four or five grams of sugar. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED ON and you can save 20% off your order of Built Bar by going to BuiltBar.com. So, for the best tasting protein bar on the market, go to BuiltBar.com. Sooners Nation, the wait is almost over. The 2020, the 2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts. Plus, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here in the final segment of the Lockdown seniors podcast, we are going to give you our three stars of the game from Oklahoma's twenty-seven to fourteen win over the Baylor Bears in Norman, Oklahoma, on Saturday night. David, <clears throat> your first star of the game.
0: My first star is our boy third down Theo, who is becoming touchdown Theo. We a great performance and just continues to be that guy that is not only making the touchdown play, not only making the third down conversions, but He's becoming a guy that's just reliable all game long. And I find him to be where we thought marvelous Marvin Mims was emerging as wide receiver one. I think at this point in the season, I'm going to switch that. I'm going to say Theo Weiss is that guy right now. And Theo Weiss has shown just the diversity of catches that he makes. It's the tough third down conversion. It's extending a play, help you know, going into the corner of the end zone so Spencer can roll right, roll left and find him. I think it's the maturity, it's the physicality. And that to me is why third down Theo Weaves is uh, one of my stars of the game.
1: Yeah, for the second start of the game, I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. Got two and a half (laughs) sacks on Saturday night, and it was absolutely important for somebody on the defensive line to step up because Nick Bonito was out. It seemed like Baylor was really focusing a lot of attention on Ronnie Perkins, rightfully slow. And they needed somebody else to step up to put pressure on Charlie Brewer and to create some spa- splash plays, not just per- create pressure, but actually bring him down in the backfield. And, and Isaiah Thomas was the guy to step up and do that. Who's your third star of the game?
0: Well, for my third star, I'm actually going to do a remix right here. So, yes, Oklahoma on Saturday night. Yeah, that record crash remix. We had lots of other guys that made some, some plays. Uh, but to me – My third star has to go to the hardwood on Sunday afternoon in Fort Worth. Austin Reeves for the Oklahoma men's basketball team put up 32 points. Got to the line 17 times and carried Oklahoma to another win in Fort Worth after last year to end the season, John, when he scored 42 or scored 41 and hit the game winner at the buzzer to to have a 20 point comeback win in Fort Worth this year. Same song, second verse. He dropped 32 in his return. Oklahoma right out of the gate. First, they got a couple games canceled, played one non-conference game. Now, all of a sudden, they're going on the road to open the Big 12 with one game under their belt, and a senior point guard just making big shots, carries himself. Center fans, if you don't watch Austin Reeves play and, and put a, it doesn't put a smile on your face, And I don't know what can because the guy plays with an edge. He's a gamer. He plays with gamesmanship. He is... Um, he just – he plays hard, and he is a competitor. And this Oklahoma basketball team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Coach Kruger is going to coach him up. But for me, my third star for the weekend, Austin Reeves for another dominant performance in Fort Worth.
1: The Oklahoma men's basketball team is going to be a lot of fun. They – just in the early going, they look a lot like the splash brothers out there from golden spit, golden state, just dropping threes all over the place from a lot of different guys. And that's yep. going to be a lot of fun. You need three point shooters in college basketball to be a winner, to be effective, especially when you get into the tournament, because it's, it's harder to come by those, those layups, middle of the lane, you know, mid range jumpers. You got to have guys that can hit from three. And it seems like the Oklahoma seniors have a lot of those guys. Uh, David, David, Give me one final takeaway from Oklahoma's win against Baylor on Saturday.
0: My last takeaway on the, on the win, John, is that winning sometimes can get lost. You know, some, so much of Oklahoma football, the expectations that have been set around here for really 20 years. I mean, go back to 2000. The expectation is, if you're playing in Norman and you're favored by 20 plus points and you're a top 10 team that you're just supposed to, we're going to roll the the interlocked OU on the side of our helmet out there. And we're going to blow them out. And we're all going to sit around and talk about how good we played and feel great about it. And that's going to be the basis on which we judge a win. But I think at the end of the day, this Oklahoma football team winning 27 to 14 with their defense dominating once again, shorthanded understaffed, having having, uh, Alex Grinch's voice piped into practice during the week because he couldn't be there due to protocols, which, I mean, what a world we live in. They got got speakers on the phone. He's coaching them through speakers. Uh, It sounds like sci-fi, but it it was real. And that's the world they were living in. And I think the biggest takeaway to me is instead of, you know, all the the thoughts – and I I get it. We were all frustrated Saturday wondering why we're not doing this and why it doesn't look better. But at the end of the day, the season that they've had – the progression of this defense is something that when we look at 2021, we're going to really appreciate a night like Saturday night because we're going to look back on that and say, hey, you know what? If we get in a dogfight somewhere, we know this defense is capable of winning a football game for us because we've seen it done. And now those defensive players are going to know in their heart we can win a football game if our offense struggles because we have done it. And that's what's most important is that those players in that locker room have the confidence and have the game experience. Cause there's nothing like that. I don't care if it's Baylor. I don't care if it's Kansas state. I don't care. You can just fill in the blank of a school that it's a conference opponent. You, your defense won you the football game. You hang your hat on that. You go on down the road and you dwell on that experience when it becomes necessary again, cause it will. But that to me was the biggest takeaway, is The defense won them a football game. And I could not tell you, John, I couldn't even think to tell you when the last time I could say that was.
1: It takes a lot of pressure off of the offense to know that they don't have to go out there every single time they've got the ball and score a touchdown. I mean, they don't have to be in an arena league football team and put up 60 points every game to win. It's, it's a new era and we have a lot to, you know, Alex Grinch is a big reason for that. Not only just the the scheme and the uh, personality and the, the uh, philosophy, but I think also the recruiting, I think things have really stepped up on the recruiting efforts on defense and he, You have to give him a lot of credit for that because he's the guy that's in those living rooms, you know, during the recruiting season and getting these guys to commit. And that's huge for the Oklahoma program that they can now say that they're boasting some really, really high level recruits on defense. And it's going to continue to serve them well down the road as well. As they continue to build that defense, defenders are going to be able to come to Oklahoma and say, Hey, they actually play defense in Oklahoma. Now it's not, I'm not going to be out there running for my life as the only four or five star player on the defense. I would actually have some help.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That, that to me, you know, there's so many people on Twitter saying, well, you know, we get all these recruits here. What are they thinking right now? Well, I'm sure they're really impressed. And you know what? I, I think if you look at it from the other side of the coin, John, you can say, yeah, they might have been impressed, actually. Mm-hmm. They might have said, wow, you know what? Hey, because players understand. Fans don't always understand. But players and coaches understand that there are times when you just don't have it all working. All right. And every offensive player, Caleb Williams is sitting there in the stands. He's felt that before the, you know, a the five-star number one receiver is sitting there with him. He's felt that before. We all watch sports. We all watch football. We all watch basketball, watch March Madness, watch teams get upset because upsets happen in sports, because sometimes you don't have it, not ready to play, whatever. But what those recruits saw was if I come to Oklahoma and I'm an offensive elite player, I can come here and see that this team now has a defense I can play with. This team is going to support me with a defense. They're going to get the football back in our hands. And that, you know, think about two years ago, Kyler Murray had to beat Kansas 55 to 40, right? So, well, yeah, you could say, oh, recruiter there. They saw Kyler put up 50. Yeah, but if they're really analytical people, which these kids are, they're smart. They're going to Bama. They're going to Georgia. They're going to Ohio State. When they're taking their visits there, too, they're watching them on a Saturday night. And they're going to come to Norman and watch and say, yeah, Kyler put up 50. But, man, who's, why is this guy named Puka rushing for 250 on you guys? Why is Kansas putting up 40? So, to me, the positive was instead of worrying about what they saw from a negative, look at what they saw from a positive. Because I guarantee you the right kind of kids, the championship-level mentality that you want those kids to have, they're going to be able to evaluate that full spectrum and say, yes, the offense didn't have it going. They found a way to get over it, and the defense was amazing. And that that is just as exciting as anything else.
1: And if you're a defensive kid, you're looking at an Alex Grinch defense that was able to win a game. And that's not been the case for Oklahoma in a long time. And you can say, hey, I, I, maybe I want to go play for that coach. They, they're they able to come up with a game plan to actually win football games for this team and not just rely upon the offense. Hey, but that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Sooners podcast. We've got a couple we got a few great guests coming up this week on the show. On Tuesday's edition, we got Ari Temkin from SiriusXM who covers the Big 12. David, what do we got coming up on Wednesday?
0: On Wednesday, we got Tyler McComas from Sports Talk 1400. On Thursday, we've got Chris Plank of the Chris Plank Show, who's also on SiriusXM's Big 12 channel, also works out of uh, Norman there on Sports Talk 1400, covering the Oklahoma football every every which way. So yeah, we've got some really great insight for some, some national perspective, some local Norman perspective, and it's going to be a lot of fun talking with, uh, with Ari and Tyler and Chris as we go through the week.
1: Yeah, and then on Friday we'll have our game preview for West Virginia where I'll hopefully actually take one of the Hype Movie of the Week challenges from David this week. Maybe this is the, this is the time when we go uh, Country Roads, West Virginia.
0: Oh, I got something to say about Country Roads. Just wait for Friday. I've got a little something special about West Virginia.
1: So make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Sooners podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Check us out on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. That'll do it for today. We will see you tomorrow with Ari Temkin. For David Walker, I'm John Williams. Boomer. Sooner.